0: Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. That's 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash happier.
1: Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we talk about cutting-edge science, the wisdom of the ages, and our own experiences in trying to be happier. We're sisters, so we don't let ourselves get away with much. This week, our Try This at Home is about photographs, and we'll also revisit an old story. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, who's a big source of happiness for
0: me. Ah. That's me, Elizabeth Craft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and Gretchen, I am definitely a work in progress.
1: <laughs> in episode 17, we talked about my precious, our term for the things that we love that are bad for us. It gets its name from Gollum, uh, the character in The Lord of the Rings, um, who refers to the ring that he carries as his precious. It's precious, but it's killing him. And we talked about our preciouses. Elizabeth said her precious was reality TV. Uh, My precious, uh, unconventionally, is Greek yogurt.
0: And it was great, Gretchen. A lot of people wrote in and called in with their preciouses uh somebody's was the iPhone 6 Plus very specific um, and I'm sure a lot of people share that yeah uh Netflix was somebody's precious uh, and she actually canceled her subscription and then the next month started it up again because she decided she didn't want to give up her precious it's precious uh beer was someone's precious this was interesting somebody um loves her Mondays and doesn't want anyone intruding in her Mondays. And this was actually a bit of a theme. A bunch of people let us know that they really jealously guard their time and don't want anyone interfering. So I thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah, another thing was somebody wrote on my on the Facebook page um, about whether her daughter's like uh, special toy was a precious. And really, we use the, the technical term the way we use precious is that it's something that you love, but it's bad for you. Like it's somehow undermining your happiness. So something like a child's special toy, it's precious, but it's not bad for you. Um, but I have to say, Elizabeth, when I read about this precious toy, I had to think. Of course of your precious your dear dear blankie
0: yes my blankie my I've had my blankie forever uh and I am I still sleep with my blankie every night uh Adam is well acquainted with my blankie um Jack knows about my blankie I've got a pink blankie he's got a blue blankie and I like everyone always said to mom, well, it's not like she'll take it with her to college. <laughs> but guess what? I did.
1: No, I remember when you were going in, in when you were going to have Jack, I was like, well, what's the plan for your blankie? Are you going to take your blankie when you go to the hospital? And you had a whole plan.
0: Yeah, I, I would. I, I was too risky. Blankie stayed at home for that because I, I didn't want to risk losing my blankie at, at, uh, cedars but i will say i used to have always have a plan in place if the house caught on fire how i would get you know blanky out first but now that i have jack he takes priority and the cat and 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 then the blanky is third assuming adam can take care of himself so i think that you know i think that's fine
1: We'll post a picture of Alyssa's Blanke on uh, GretchenRubin.com if you're dying to see what this precious memento is. And we'd love to hear, um, uh, we heard about what people's preciouses were. We'd love to hear what people's special toy is too. Um, That's so fun to hear about. So this week, our Try This at Home tip is to take photos of everyday life. And that's everyday life because we tend to take a lot of pictures when we're on vacation or we're like at some special museum or some special, you know, historical spot But Elizabeth, I don't know about you, but when I look back at old photographs, I'm so much more interested in like what my dorm room looked like than like my visit to the Eiffel Tower.
0: Oh, totally. I mean, I'm thinking of a picture I actually have of you and Jamie that I took the first time I met Jamie in my summer dorm room at Columbia. And there's just stuff piled everywhere. I mean, Jamie must have thought he was getting, you know, like the psycho for a potential sister-in-law. Uh, So I think this is a great idea. I mean, I was actually thinking, you know how you have the one sentence journal. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, well, maybe you could do a one photo a day journal. I've
1: heard from a lot of people who do that.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then you get like your kid's preschool and what, you know, your your favorite local restaurants and all this stuff that changes over time.
1: Well, and this is a thing where technology really can make things easier. Like I use Instagram and Pinterest like just to take a picture like, ooh, look at these cool cobblestones or, oh, I love the FedEx logo with the hidden arrow in it. And then I've also heard of people doing this thing where you take um, like a one second video and then make it into one thing a day and then you make it into one thing at the end of the year. And so it sort of capture. you know, it captures these evanescent moments, but in a way that's manageable.
0: Oh, that's great!
1: You know how, like, if you go to a children's library, there are those books called like "Everyday Life in Ancient Rome," and it's like yes. about like a ten-year-old boy and his eight-year-old sister like living their life, and it's sort of a it's sort of a it's a lesson in the form of uh, a story. Um, I was thinking it would be hilarious to do like "Everyday Life in Encino," or you know, "Everyday Life on the Upper East Side," and um, and and like here's the grocery store, and here because I feel like when I look back, it's all the most mundane things that I care about. But I, yeah. have no, I have no record of it because it was so ordinary. I was never remarkable enough to take a picture of it.
0: Yeah. And also things change. So the grocery store isn't there anymore. And, you know, the house changes because you've you've redecorated. And I mean, I know you told me about the um, Yale uh, Law School pictures you have
1: no right because when jamie and i met we met in the yale law school library because our carols that's like our desks were back to back and so that's how i met and it was incredibly romantic um and i took i actually took a picture of our carols um you know in the first throes of love um and then i went (laughs) back and they would completely renovated the library and all the carols are gone and so i'm so happy i have my picture of that Because you're right. It's all changed. I can't go back and look at it again, even if I want to. So one of the things is to never forget how easy it is to forget and to look for ways to take pictures of everyday life or to find other ways of memorializing just your ordinary routine.
0: And send us your pictures of everyday life. I'd love to see them.
1: Or if you have any cool ways, like the one second a day video or use Instagram in an interesting way, we'd love to hear about uh, different strategies that people use.
0: Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. Gretchen, on your site, you sometimes write these essays, which is what you call your posts when it's about, a big idea. Mm-hmm. Essay means an analysis or examination, and that's what you do. And so, this week we are going to have an essay.
1: Yeah, in episode twenty-two, uh, we had as our guest Roseanne Cash, the singer, songwriter, author, and she she said many many interesting things. But she told one story in particular that really resonated with us that we were talking about. So um, let's listen to it again.
2: For me and John, he can be very hard on me.
1: Ah. Um,
2: and not, Like high standards? Yes, high standards yeah. hard, not punitive hard. Right, but right. Um, And sometimes I want to get away from that and go to somebody who thinks I'm just great. Everything <laughs> I do is great. <laughs> You're awesome. <laughs> You're so awesome. Yeah. Every word yeah. out of your mouth is just so awesome.
1: <laughs> First take, there we go. We did it. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Right. I mean, it's, this is classic. The other, or last year, I was doing a, a guest session on somebody else's album and John we were in Nashville and it was this band um hard-working Americans and they asked me to sing on the song so John just went with me to hang out this is so unusual for John he does not go hang out at other sessions (laughs) so he was sitting he's kind of a workaholic he he is he is so he was sitting in the other room and I finished the session and we left he didn't say anything I said so how'd you like it he goes I would have pushed you harder
1: (laughs) But in a way, that's a compliment, too. Yeah. But it gets tiring. <laughs> it gets exhausting. And the thing about this story is it really encapsulates a paradox in our relationships. And this, this is this is what we were talking about. We want the people close to us to accept us un- unconditionally, to think we're awesome, but we also kind of want us them to expect the best from us. Um, and also, that's how we feel about other people. We love them unconditionally and yet maybe we want to push them harder right yeah
0: oh totally i mean this reminds me of a story i actually told on this podcast about adam uh i gave him a script to read and he you know for critique And he came back and started giving me notes. And I got incredibly angry and upset because I really just wanted him to say it was great. Yeah. But of course, he wanted to make it better because that's why I'd given it to him. Uh, And so it's it's that thing where you have to figure out how to navigate that. It's kind of difficult.
1: Right. It's this tension between... Um, sort of two two modes of being. And I think like when you were talking about that thing with Adam, one of the things he said is like, you should have said to him, this is one of those moments when I want you to tell me I'm awesome. This is not one right. of those moments when I want you to help me, uh, you know, uh, put, I don't want you to push me harder. Um, but I feel this way, like with my children too. Like, you know, on the one hand, I'm like, you're just great the way you are and just kick back and enjoy your childhood. Everything's going to work out in the end. And then the other part of me is like you really need to drill on the multiplication tables. I know you can get faster. Or I know you can make that English essay better if you just go over it for the seventh time. I know it's in you to like take it up a notch. You know, it's it's just, it's this constant thing of like going back and forth between these two modes.
0: Yeah, and you know, having sort of like Roseanne and her husband are creative partners. I have a writing partner, Sarah, and we go through this all the time because... Our dynamic is that we're supposed to bring out the best in each other. That's how we succeed. At the same time, it can get very irritating to have somebody that you spend a lot of time with, you know, pushing you harder and not just saying, hey, great scene. Awesome job. I think you're such an amazing writer. And I think, you know, over the years, we've gotten better and better at sort of navigating that, um, that line. But look, our whole job, not just between the two of us, is to take criticism.
1: Yeah,
0: And it's, it's, it's hard to have people push you like that, especially when you've really put yourself on the line. You know, like Roseanne in her story, it's like she puts so much of herself, obviously, into the music. And I'm sure then to have John say, um, well, you could have done better, isn't a great thing to hear. But of course, that's why she loves him so much part of it is because he can say that.
1: But all, but also I think sometimes it's easier to just say you're awesome and, and not to like yes. take on the onus of saying you can push yourself harder. And I think of this with my agent, Christy Fletcher, who I'm super close to, who's just brilliant and is like this tremendous uh, kind of guide to me. And um, I think with all my books, if you read them once they're written, they look like the structure was totally obvious. But in each case, it was like totally blew my mind to try to figure out the right structure and the tone and how to work in the research and all this. And I remember when I was writing The Happiness Project, I wrote a whole draft. She said, no, it's not working. I wrote a whole other draft of, you know, like two sample chapters. She said, it's not working. Third draft, all the you know, complete rewrite. No, it's not working. Did another rewrite, which I really liked. And I got an email from her that I will never forget. And it just said, I am so sorry to write this email but you're just not there yet. I know you can uh. get there, but this is not it. And I thought it would have been so much easier to be like, this is awesome. Yes. Great, let's just, go, let's just go move forward. But she had to say, like in John's word, I'm gonna push you harder.
0: Yeah, and that's why she's such a great agent. Yeah. And friend.
1: But you know, it's like one of these things is the opposite of a pro- profound truth is also true, and I think that's the tension. Love is unconditional, and love is demanding. Love accepts you just as you are, and love insists that you push yourself. And it's just, we just get caught up in that tension.
0: Yeah. And now, of course, that we've put this out there, our producer, Henry, is probably going to (laughs) feel compelled to push us harder. So I'm expecting um, notes at the end of this podcast.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, Well, uh, let us know if this rang true for you, if you've ever been caught in a moment where you wanted awesome and you got pushed harder or you wanted to get pushed harder and you got awesome or, you know, um, whether this essay rings a bell with you.
0: Hi, Gretchen and Elizabeth. This is Andre from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a huge fan of your podcast, and I listen to it religiously. Recently, my husband and I and our two small children moved to a new city for a career opportunity for me. In our previous city, we lived there for over 12 years, and over the last couple of years, I would say that we were, as a family, very happy. And while I can see a lot of positive things about our new city, uh, the school that our kids attend, and our neighborhood... I obsessively worry that we won't be as happy in our new city as we were in our old city. How do we transfer or recreate the happiness from our old home to our new home? Thank you so much. Well, Gretch, it sounds to me like Andre is sort of in mourning for her old city. She loved it. She was happy there. And now here she is in a new place and she hasn't, you know, given up the old place yet, which makes perfect sense. Right what i would suggest she does is start rituals in this new city. Yeah. So i'm sure she had they had her family had their favorite pancake place, favorite, you know, church if they went to church, favorite library, all of those things and st- i think she should start doing these same rituals in the new city. And then it's like these these ties will start to f- to form.
1: Yeah. And the, one of the the other thing is to kind of try to throw yourself out there. And if there's ways to, you know, volunteer at school so that maybe you get to meet more parents or she's, a, she's got a new job, so presumably she'll be meeting a ton of new people from work. So that's great. You know, walking around the neighborhood, meeting your neighbors. It's hard to meet a lot of new people, um, but it's really important. And that's part of what makes you feel at home in your neighborhood is if you feel like you're surrounded by people that you know and you're interested in seeing and care for.
0: Yeah. And as for what I was saying a second ago, I'm just thinking like you have not relationships just with people, but also with places like think about Winstead's, our favorite burger place in Kansas City. I feel that's a very um, dynamic relationship. Uh, that I have with Winsteads. and it brings me an enormous amount of pleasure. It's like a security blanket. So I think she needs to find her Winsteads.
1: right. yeah, the, those places that those special places that are so close to your heart. But here's something that's very interesting and I hope she finds encouraging. Um, another bit of happiness research is when you look at what are the predictors of whether somebody's going to be happy in the future, One of the best predictors of whether you're going to be happy in the future is whether you've been happy in the past. And she was very happy where she was before, which makes it seem like she's probably going to be very happy where she is now. But like you say, she has to just build up the relationships with the places and the people and the rituals that are going to recreate um, that special connection that she had going forward.
0: And Gretchen, I must point out, there's more on this subject in your
1: book, Happier at Home, one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, it's all about happiness at home. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team – Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash
0: Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Now it's time for demerits and gold stars.
1: So Elizabeth, I'm up for a demerit. And can your gold star for this week be that you're going to let me talk the whole time about my demerit and just like, give, me, give me advice and solace?
0: Absolutely, diving into your happiness, Tamarit, will give me great pleasure. Okay, let's good. Let's
1: do it. Okay, pleasure and a gold star. Okay, so this is what it is. My two daughters, uh, Eliza and Eleanor, who are age sixteen and ten, desperately want a dog. Ah. And my husband's game for a dog, like he wouldn't come home and say, "Hey, honey, let's get a dog," but he's like, "Yeah, that's cool. Let's get a dog. Amazing." Um and My demerit is that I am just this killjoy who does not want a dog.
0: Oh, that's a big one. That's like there's no middle ground there. You either get the dog or you don't get the dog.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. Yeah, the middle, the ideal middle ground would be like we post a picture of a dog on a refrigerator.
0: Right. Well, that's, yeah, for you. Um. Now, I'm guessing. You know, I'm thinking back to our own childhood. We had Paddywhack, our schnauzer, our dog. Yeah, who I desperately wanted uh, in third grade, and and I wore mom and dad down, and we got a dog. Yeah. And I'm guessing the main reason you don't want a dog is because you think the same thing will happen to you that happened to mom, which is she ended up doing 99.9 percent of all the Paddywhack, you know, caregiving.
1: Yeah. No, and this is what I was saying to my family is I was like if I was going to have a dog, the way you're going to have a dog, I'd be totally fine with having a dog. If I could walk it every once in a while and like put some dog food in the dog dish and then like buy a bone from the pet store, that'd be great. But I'm like I'm the one realistically where that like if the dog is throwing up in the middle of the day, I'm going to clean it up. If the dog has to go to the groomers, I'm going to take it. If the dog gets sick in the middle of the day and like is shaking with fear because they, like the little dog hates going to the vet so much, that's going to be me. And and my husband, Jamie, was like, well, I'll do it. And I'm like, yeah, but look, realistically, yes, you say you're going to do it. And if we get a dog, I'm going to hold you to that, like as if you signed in blood. But it's the middle of the day. You're in a suit in Midtown in a meeting with 10 people. I'm in yoga clothes in my office, uh, you know, writing a blog post. It's just going to be the sensible solution. Yeah, it's
0: going to be on you. And by the way, Eliza and Eleanor are going to be out of the house eventually. Yeah,
1: is going to be on in two years. Uh, Eleanor, I mean, it all pa- passes, so in a, in a flash. And the thing about me is, like, I hate errands. I hate trouble. I hate, like, uh, you know, making a—I hate calling. So I hate, like, call to make an appointment, and then make an appointment, and then go. And it sort of seems like it takes up the whole day, and— Well, Gretch, let me ask you this. Do you like dogs— um, If we had a dog, I would love our dog. I, You know, I, I feel confident about that.
0: And I'm sure you would love the dogs of all of our listeners who listen to us while they're walking their dogs. Yes,
1: your dog, you podcast listeners, yes, love your dogs. <laughs> yes, we love your dogs.
0: All right, great. so I've heard why you don't want a dog, but I know you're like the research nut, and I know you've got research about the good things about having a pet.
1: Yes. No. So I see very clearly why I don't want a dog. But I also see that, that I, it would make my family really happy. Um, and there's so much research showing that pets make people happier and also healthier. For instance, dog people who own dogs get more exercise and enjoy it more than people who belong to gyms. It's less stress. It helps people for, people have less depression. You know, it's it's all the joy of that unconditional love. Relationships. We were just talking a minute ago how relationships make people happy. Relationships with dogs. Um, so many people say, like, oh, you know, you walk in the house and your dog is so happy to see you. You know, and a friend of mine, a friend of mine said, he goes, You know, if you're thinking about whether to go to law school and you're not sure whether to, whether to go, don't go. But if you're thinking about whether to have a baby or not, yeah, have a baby. And I, I kind of feel the same <laughs> thing about dogs. Like people really love their dogs. And so i I kind of intellectually think if we had a dog, I would be happy with it and I would love it and I would be glad that we did it it's just that teetering right now on the edge of the decision we are uh, filled with dread exactly oh yeah that is you put your finger on it I'm, when I think about this I'm filled with dread I mean you've got you've got a pet what do you what do you think of it
0: yeah, well, we have one cat, Blackjack, who I inherited uh, when Adam and I got together. He had Blackjack before we met. Um, now I have to say I am allergic to cats, so I don't know if I'm the right person to have this conversation with. Um, I will say Blackjack is an incredibly sweet cat, and Jack, my son. Yes, we have Blackjack and Jack in our house. <laughs> and your um, father's name is
1: Jack, <laughs> and my dad's name,
0: yeah. Absolutely uh, loves Black Jack. And we've actually asked him, Jack, if he wants a dog. And his response is that he thinks Black Jack would not like us to get a dog. So I'm off the the dog hook for the moment. Um, But I do have a cat who makes my eyes itch. It's funny. (laughs) It's one of the few times I've ever heard you go against one of your true rules, which is, you know, what's fun for everybody else might not be fun for me. Yeah. You're fighting against that. And, you know, I guess my question is, where are you hoping this whole conversation ends? Are you hoping it ends with getting a dog or not getting a dog?
1: Well, I don't know. So listeners, I don't know. Like, tell me, should we get a dog? Should we not get a dog? Write us, call us. What should we think about? What should we consider? It's, it's a huge decision. I mean, Ma- uh, Elizabeth, Mom said to me because um, I was saying to her, "Oh, you know, Mike, uh, they want to get a dog." She's like, "Well, you know, we lived with Paddywhack longer than we lived with either you or Elizabeth." It's wow. a it's a big decision. Wow. You know, and that's part of it. You know, is like you feel like it's not it's not a it's not a fleeting decision. It's a big decision, and so I just. So anybody who has any advice or (laughs) anything at all, please contact me immediately.
0: (laughs) And Gretch, I just want to go on the record as saying, uh, controversial as this may be, I don't think you're a bad person for not wanting a dog. Dogs aren't for everyone. But I still hope you end up getting one.
1: Well, stay tuned because I think a decision is going to be forced pretty quickly here. So (laughs) one way or another, it will be decided. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Take photos of your everyday life. And please get in touch with me if you have any thoughts about whether or not to have a dog.
0: Thanks to our producer, Henry Malofsky, proud owner of a blind 14-year-old dog named Sammy, and two cats, Dr. Captain Cookie Breath and Fred.
1: (laughs) Okay, we're gonna need to have an explanation of that later.
0: From Panoply, we also wanna thank Laura Mayer and her two cats, Hector and Lulu. (laughs) As well as Andy Bowers and his golden retriever, Jack. My favorite name, of course. Uh huh. Please let us know what you think of the show. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com.
1: And also as a reminder, if you go to GretchenRubin.com, you'll see links, anything we mentioned, photos, all the contact information you need. It's all there.
0: Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Craft.
1: And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. This podcast is part of the Panoply Network. Check out our
0: entire roster of podcasts at iTunes.com slash Panoply. Toto had a big adventure. Petey had a big appetite. Rin Tin Tin was a big hero. And Lassie had a big heart. You've come back! But
2: now, the biggest dog star of them all.
0: If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this
1: information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better.